about it, but we did not. And so we're going to be doing our two-minute mingle. Uh, if you are new with us, uh, my name is Bobby. I'm the pastor here at this New Life location. And one thing we do every Sunday morning is we do the two-minute mingle. And the idea of this is that New Life Community Church isn't just a word in our name. It's part of what defines of what we who we are. And so we want to be able to make connections and meet people. And so we take two minutes not to just shake hands and sit down and not to like talk to a whole bunch of people, but just find one person around you that maybe you haven't met yet or haven't talked in a while and talk to them for the next two minutes. And so chili or not chili? What do they like? Do they, how do they like their chili? Do they like it with the beans or with meat, thick or soupy? Talk about how you like your chili. All right, two minutes, go. Want to get a drink of water. <laughs> some of you wanted to do that. So that was great. So why do we do that? We don't do that to torture people. We don't do that to make people miserable. We do that because community isn't just something that's important to us. It defines who we are. It needs to define who we are as a people. Two minutes is only a small start. It's only a taste and it should a taste of what can happen and what should happen. But it's also an easy weekly reminder that we need one another and we're not alone. That's what we want to talk about today. As we talk about being disciples who make disciples, as we talk about the basic value and defining characteristics of our spiritual identity, 
we have to grasp and cling to the most basic and importance of truth. We need one another. We are meant to be connected. God says in Genesis 2.18, it is not good that the man should be alone. Now, I know that some of us, when we hear this verse, the idea of not being alone, you're thinking, I don't know, have you met my coworkers or... Uh, have you been around my kids? Some alone time sounds great right now. I respect that. I totally understand. But that's not exactly what this is talking about. A couple of clarifications. One, it's not saying that it's only good for man to be alone and not women to be alone. So that should be said. In order of the, the timeline of creation, Eve hadn't been created yet, so God wasn't making a, a gender qualification here. It's also not saying it's good to be an extrovert and it's bad to be an introvert. So this has nothing to do with extrovert or introvert. This is not God slamming introverts. You're fine. I thought, so. I, I didn't expect any introverts to yell amen. I know you said it inside. Um, <laughs> it's also not saying that it's good to be married and bad to be single. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, he talks about the gift of singleness, that singleness is not a consolation prize and it's not second best. He talks about how amazing being single is. Now, I knew there'd be an amen on that one, so that's, that should be said. So what is, what is he talking about here? He's talking about sometimes we do need to be by ourselves, but that's different than being defined as alone. Alone here is to exist in isolation. It's to go on with no connections. It's to be defined as the only one. And out of everything that God said during creation, that's good. This is the, being alone is the first thing that he says, that's not good. As he's creating everything and placing everything where it needs to be, he continually says, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. But when he sees the one by himself, he says, that's not good. Not good is to exist in isolation. It's not good to not have connections. It's not good to be the only one. We are not meant to exist by ourselves. A passage in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, it it'll really unpacks this and illustrates it powerfully. Ecclesiastes is a really unique book. It's a satirical account of this guy trying to figure life out. He's doing it purely based on what he can observe right in front of him. But most of what he sees, he says, he gets to the conclusion, vanity of vanities, meaningless, worthless, all that I see. And let me just say, if you ever go and read Ecclesiastes, you may need to make sure you read the whole book all the way through, because it's in the last two chapters that we see what isn't meaningless, and that's being one with the Lord and following him. But as this guy's going through and he's analyzing things, he talks about pleasure and success and power and money and philosophy, and he's all meaningless. And in chapter four, he identifies one unique thing that's also meaningless. Being alone is meaningless. It says in Ecclesiastes 4, 7, Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, Yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never speaks. For who am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. He's saying it's meaningless to exist with no other. It's meaningless to exist with no friend, no business partner, no family, no connections. It's meaningless to be by yourself and to be driven after something at the expense of connection. It's meaningless to be pursuing something 
at the expense of being connected with other people. Because who would you have to share or celebrate your success with while you're alone? It's meaningless to choose to go through life by yourself. Meaningless to live in isolation as one. One scholar said, this is the sad story of a man who has absolutely no human relationships of any type. And then the writer of Ecclesiastes, he contrasts meaningless, the meaninglessness of aloneness, by saying two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fail, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. And how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Two are better than one. Companionship is better than being alone. Togetherness is better than isolation. Two can work together after a goal, and it's actually more rewarding that way. Two can help each other when the challenges and the hardships come. Two can care for each other when the journey gets cold or harsh. Two can protect each other when the attacks or the assaults arrive. The one has no, the one person who's one, who's in isolation, who's defined by themselves, has no one to assist or aid or carry them or encourage them or help them or confront them or protect them. The two has all of this. And oh, and just think how much better it would be if you add a third. It is not good for us to be alone. We were made to be connected. We were made to be together. This is the thing we're talking about today. Before we kind of continue any further, though, I want to pray and ask that God would speak to us. We thank you, God, that, that you are one. That, you, God, we think about the reality of you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a community within oneness. That you model for us the reality of not being alone. I thank you, God, for the connections that we have. I thank you for this church family that we can be a part of. I thank you for the fact that you redeem us to be a part of something. And so, God, I pray that you would encourage us with that this morning. I pray that you would help us to see how much we need you and how much we need each other. And so I pray you would speak to us through your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We need one another. This is how God has designed things. This is how he's made things. And becoming a follower of Jesus unites us into his community. We need one another, and being a follower of Jesus is what unites us into his community. We cannot separate being a disciple of Jesus from being with other disciples of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus means a whole lot of other people are coming along for the ride. It's just how it works. We talked two weeks ago about being a disciple, and it's being defined as baptized and being taught. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Our baptism, we said, is about our identity. I am a follower of Jesus. I'm part of the community of faith. Our being taught is about that lifestyle of faith. I'm building and living my life on what Jesus has taught, on the teachings of Scripture. Being a disciple is identifying with Jesus and growing in my understanding of who he is and what he's taught so that I can live that life accordingly. Being in community isn't, isn't a separate thing from being a disciple. It's part of what it means to be a disciple. 
It's not an add-on. You know, like if you go to buy a car, it's like, here's the basic model. And then if you want, you can add these things on. That's not how community is. It's part of the original package. It's part of the base model. To be a person of faith is to be part of a community. When we put our faith in Jesus for true life, we are also being put into the family of God. Romans says in chapter 8, So you, you have not received a spirit which makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now, we call him. Not, he's not saying, now I call him or now you call him. Now, we call him Abba Father, Daddy Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We sometimes you hear church people talk about, hey, the, the brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. That's not just spiritual language. That's a definitive reality of what it means to be followers of Jesus. If you have a follower, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus. We are brothers and sisters within the family of God. To be part, a follower of Jesus is to be part of his community. When we put our faith in Jesus, his work on the cross, the miracle is, is that we are placed divinely together in relationship with God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And by that relationship, we're put into the family. I say this periodically and always, I think we always need to be reminded of it. We do make a personal decision to follow Jesus, but that is not an exclusively personal decision. You are personally making a decision to Christ, but it's not an exclusively personal relationship. It's a family relationship. You are connected with other people. It's not good for our existence to be defined as alone. So God redeems us not only to himself, but into community. We are one with him and one with one another. We have to get that in our minds. We have to grasp that because that has to define how we see one another. The, again, it's not just these warm, other warm bodies in the building that I are near when I go to that church. It's no, these are my brothers and sisters in the Lord. These are the people that I'm connected with. These are the people that God has made me to be a part of. And what's amazing is when you go to another church, if you were to visit another church, you're just being part of like a big family reunion, meeting others and brothers and sisters you just haven't met yet because they're also part of the family of God. And so for the person who says, you know, I really like Jesus, I want everything about Jesus, but I just don't like the church, I don't want anything to do with the church, you're missing the point of Jesus then. And I understand why that gets said. I understand the garbage that we see out there, the negative headlines, the way that horrible way that some church people are. I understand the sediment behind the comment. But we also have to analyze the comment that that's just not healthy. Yes, there are some churches out there that are really, really healthy and unhealthy and do some damage. And there's leaders out there who have been really, really horrible. But we can't throw all of it away. And we can't think the whole thing is bad just because some people are. Does that make sense? So we need to, and again, I'm not downplaying what anybody's experienced. I'm not negating what anybody's experienced. I understand those experiences. And I would love to talk to you about that because I have mine. But I'm just telling you, the church isn't only what you experienced in that place. And God's as frustrated as you are, if not more so, that his kids would act that way. And he wants you to be part of community, a healthy community of people who love you and care for you and are building you up and want to see you grow in him. 
Because that's what he's designed things to be, is not that we would be alone, but that we would be together. Becoming a follower of Jesus unites us into his community. Which that leads to the next thing. You are designed to be a part of the family of faith. Not simply fill a pew or watch a screen. You are designed to be a part, a part of the family of faith. Not simply to fill a pew or watch a screen. Our life group was talking about this topic last week. And the speaker in the video that we were watching talked about the idea of the church, being together as a church, Sundays coming and joining one another, is the idea of like a huddle in a football game. What does the team do? But the team huddles up and then they talk about it and then they go run the play. And then they huddle up and then they go run the play. And they huddle up and they go run the play. In many ways, that's, that's a great picture of what Sundays are for all of us. We're gathering together, we're huddling up, we're worshiping the Lord, we're being growing from hearing the word, we're connecting, we're encouraging, we're serving one another, we're being alongside one another, and then we go into our weeks to live the faith that God has given us. And then we huddle back up together, and then we go back out into our weeks, and then we gather together, and then we go out to our weeks. That's part of what this is about. We are part of this team. We are part of this family. So coming to church, sitting, going through the motions, and then leaving, that's not being a person on the team. That's being a spectator in the stands. And that's not what the church is. The church isn't full of a bunch of spectators. The church is a bunch of team players, family members. We are part of this. We are all huddling up, not spectating, not just viewing and observing but part of what God is doing. The church should be the epitome, the example of what community being together looks like. The, the, the way the church gathers, the way the church is together, the way that we connect with one another, live life together, help one another, we should be the example to the world around us of what community can be like. And the reason why we should be the best example is the community is based on Christ and what, who he is, and what he's done, and nothing else. This is why it's sad when we fail to be, because then the world doesn't see what God has intended. It's, sad when we, it's equally sad when we don't flow in that design because we aren't functioning the way God's made us to. We need to be how God has made us. And how did God design the church to work? Well, I talked about this passage a little bit at the end last week, but I want to bring it back up again in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul is talking about the idea of how God has made the church. And he said this, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You see that varieties and that sameness repetition throughout this passage. There are a variety of gifts, Spirit, power, empowered abilities. There's a variety of service, roles that people can fill. There's a variety of activities, things that can be done and need to be done. But it's the same spirit who's making that happen, who's connecting people and empowering people and helping people get set up where they need to be. It's God navigating us and guiding us and helping us figure this out so we can be the effective body that he's made us to be. Why does God empower us with spirit-empowered abilities? Why does he put us into specific roles to carry out specific tasks? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the whole, for the community, for the family. God creates a family and then he empowers a family. That's one thread that we see throughout all of Scripture. God never tells his people to do something without going with them while they do it. 
He never tells us to do something without giving us the wisdom, the strength, and his presence to do us. And so he says, you're going to be a community, you're going to be a family of faith, and here's what that looks like, and here's how that happens. And I'm going to give you the gifting and the power and the wisdom and the guidance and everything that you need to make that happen. Because when you are flowing in your gifting and flowing in how God has made you, other people benefit from that, as well as you benefiting from how they're living out how God has made them. So the sons and daughters encourage and build one another up within the family that God has put us within. What are things that we'd see in a fully devoted community that's flowing with the spirit, empowered abilities, roles, and activities? Well, we see tons of things mentioned in scripture of how the church interacts with one another. Listen to a few of these things. James 5, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Galatians 6, 2, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Romans 12, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Hebrews 13, and I'm, I'm flying through these. If some of you want the passages, I'll put this in Discord later. Sorry about that. Um, for, I know I'm frustrating you note takers out so bad right now. <laughs> Um, I res- and I respect it, so I'll get them to. Uh, don't forget to do, Hebrews 13, don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. 1 Corinthians 12, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. 1 Thessalonians 5, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Romans 12 again, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. In Ephesians 4, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole part is healthy and growing and full of love. Now think about, I know I went through those really quick, but here's the things that we were to mention. Confessing to, one another, confessing to one another, praying for one another, sharing each other's burdens, helping those in needs, being hospitable with one another, suffering and weeping together, celebrating and being happy together, warning one another, encouraging one another, tender care for one another, patient with one another, helping one another, people, uh, helping one another grow. The question isn't, should we be in the family of faith? The question is, why would you not want to be in the family of faith? And really, the reason why I think somebody would not want to is because we're not acting as we should. Hence why we need to be about this. Think through the list and go back to God's review of creation. It's not good for them to be alone. If we aren't allowing others to help carry our burdens, God says that's not good. If we aren't allowing others, if we aren't helping others with their burdens, God says that's not good. If we don't have one another to give us warnings, God says that's not good. If we don't allow people to suffer with us, God says that's not good. If we don't allow people to pray for us, to encourage us, to help us grow, God says that's not good. If we aren't doing these things for others, God says that's not good. We need one another. We were made to be part of a family together. This is why when we say, I want Jesus, but not the church, it doesn't work. Because we need the church to experience God the way he was meant to be experienced. And when we do these things for one another, God looks down and says, that's good. That's exactly how it should be. This is why, I need to say this, this is why doing church exclusively online 
doesn't work. It's not community. I know that there's moments when it has to happen. I just had COVID a couple weeks ago. I sat at home and I listened to Paco being Paco and the worship team doing awesome. And it was great. I had to because I couldn't come and be with all of you. But I didn't like not being with all of you. I needed to be in this place because I can't talk with people and connect with people and hear about what's going on. I mean, already this morning, I heard about what's happening with somebody's kids. I heard about something that's happened at school. Heard about a job thing. I heard laugh with people, joke with people. I couldn't do any of that on my couch. I couldn't tell anything, anybody what was going on with me on my couch. Yes, there's moments where it has to happen, but those should be the exception not the rule. We need to be here together. We need to be a community together. You were designed to be a part of the faith family, not simply to fill a pew and watch a screen. It's God's design that we are together, but that does, is not something that just happens automatically. It's, I mean, we, you can, you know, the old saying, you can, bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. There's a reality that God can do everything about making a church a church, but we still have to be the church. And he gives us everything that we need. He brings everybody here that needs to be here and all of that. But we still have to be the church. And so we just have to ask ourselves honestly and humbly this morning, are you sitting and coasting or are you a part of the family? I said this last week, what pronouns do you use when you talk about this place? Do you say their church or do you say my church? Because when it's my church, I take ownership of it. And I want to see it be the best that possibly can. Have you been hurt by the church before? I know I've already talked about this, but I just want to reiterate it. I know that those are the worst hurts in the world. Because people aren't supposed to be like that. And all I can do is beg you from my own experiences to give church another chance. We would love to be that, that new look for you. But if not, find someplace. Because I guarantee not every church is like the one you experienced. And I would hate for you to miss out on what God has designed things to be. Because one of his kids acted like a complete idiot. Please give the church a try. Are you allowing community to encourage you and build you up? We have a hyper, hyper uh, claim of privatization in our lives. I don't want anybody to end. I don't want anybody to know. I don't want anybody to see. This could be embarrassing. I guarantee you all the things that you don't want people to know about you are true in most of the people you don't want to hear about them. How many of you have ever been in a room and somebody finally shared and they felt like, oh, I finally got that off my chest. I thought it was only me, but then everybody else in the room is like, nope, that's me too. How, who's, have you ever experienced that? We need to be willing to put down the walls. And again, I know that's not easy. And I know that's easier said than done. I know that that might take time. I know that might take some work. And that's okay. It's okay for as long as that takes. But take a step. Take a, a, even if it's a little step, take a step to begin making connections with people, to begin getting to know people, to begin allowing people in. I think we have to have healthy expectations. There's a reality that it does take time. You might say hi to somebody and it might not, conversation might not go great one week, but maybe just whatever was going on, try it again another week. 
And yeah, we have a little bit of a smaller church, but I think that there's also a good expectation and it needs to be said, you're not going to know every single person in this church, but you need to know some people. And there's people that have been here for only a few weeks. There's been people who have been here for a few years. There's been people here for been for a long while. Just because some people have known each other for a while and are really good friends doesn't mean that that's a click. We use the click word way too freely in church sometimes. Just because people are close friends doesn't mean they're a click. If they won't talk to you and hang out with you, that's a click. But just because they're a close group of friends who have, have history together, that history isn't clickish. Allow you build relationships, get to know people, try things, come to the events, go to different things, serve, get connected so that you can get to know people and people can get to know you. And then as things happen, and as life happens, you start knowing people and you feel freer and more comfortable to share what's going on. Are you in a place where you can encourage and build others up? Because there's a reality that your experiences and your story the things that you've gone through, you might be further down part of that journey, whatever it is, whether it's a relationship thing or a faith thing or a work thing or health thing, whatever it might be, you might be further along in those challenges and somebody else is just starting out with them. And they need your story. They need to know, how do I move forward in this? How do I do this? How did you do it? You People in this place need you. And you could say, ah, not me. Don't listen to those lies. You, if, if you ever think no one here needs me, you need to know that is a lie from the pit of hell. The, the devil is a twister of truth and a distorter of reality. And if you have thoughts, I'm not needed here. Just know that that's not from God. Because the truth is you are needed here and you're wanted here. And you, can, you have a place, regardless of who you are, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you've done, regardless of anything, you have a place here. And God wants you here. And he wants you to be encouraged here, and he wants you to be able to encourage others. And on that, I'm going to throw a little curve out here. I keep talking about we need to be connected. We need to see the benefit of community. So I didn't prompt anyone on this, but I'm going to open it up. Has anybody specifically thinking like this? You've been at the church for a little while, and when you first started coming, you just, you coasted a pew. And after a while, you realize, I need to get connected. I need to get served. I need to plug. And you started meeting people. But then the idea of meeting people, building relationships, has developed your faith and grown your faith and helps you as you follow Jesus. Is anybody like that willing just to share what that was like for you? And I know I'm, you know, this is not me talking, you talking. Does anybody want to just give testimony that here's how God has encouraged my faith through others? Can anybody share that? Just so people on the, people online who are going to be here next week. Can, All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or find, or find a church at their own home. So. <laughs> no pressure. Um, my name is Chichi. I'm a college student here in Chicago at Moody. And I just recently started coming here my first semester. I'm talking about my home church back in Georgia. I left the unhealthy church that I grew up in, and I started attending a Southern Baptist church that was healthy. And um, at first I was scared. It was different than what I've grown up with. And I knew that 
I needed to grow and be discipled because I was a baby Christian. I recently started following the Lord for real. Um, and um, I started attending like their small groups and their youth group. And they took me in like a family, like you've been talking about, like a daughter, basically. And I grew so much in my faith. I served in VBS and a bunch of other things I had never heard of, Awana, all those things, it was new to me. I never heard of those things before. And it was just such a beautiful experience. And those people encouraged me in my walk and encouraged me to even come to Moody and missions and stuff like that. And that's just something I had never had before. So they were truly a gift to me. And coming here to Moody um, and coming here to New Life, I had already had experience going to a new church and encountering new people. So as I came here, I like dove straight in <laughs> to like um, childcare and like college group with the besties. And <laughs> it's been so good. And I've been growing so much here as I'm in Chicago and just it's continued to grow my faith um, and help me to become a better follower of Christ. That's awesome. Thank you. And somebody else. Somebody else, how has community helped you? Nautica. Hi, my name is Nautica. I'm a student at Harry S. Truman. And me coming to New Life has furthered my relationship and friendship through Jesus Christ. When I first came to church, I was scared at first, but with the help of Pastor Bobby and all the friends I've met in New Life, I have learned that God has sent me on the path, not just to grow and be successful, but to also help, you know, the other people succeed as well through his word. But I give it all to him. And me being in new life, it has really shaped my life. You know, it has helped me see, you know, the beauty and God's word as a guidance. And when I wake up every morning, I always read a page in this book. And it gives me all the virtues and values to make sure that other people know his word too. And because of me being in New Life, I have passed the math GED. And I am looking forward to going to a college class for next year. And even though I have many more tests to take, I know to God's wisdom that I am able to break through all the barriers of all tests of mankind and through the help of my friends in new life. And thank you so much for welcoming me here. And I'm happy to go here all day and every Sunday. Awesome. Amen. Anyone else? I'm going to be talking about people getting involved in ministry so you don't have to say anything about hospitality for your wife. No, no, no. <laughs> Hey, I'm Chavez, so I won't plug hospitality, but I will plug Monday, I mean Tuesday basketball. You know, that's the community in all itself. Yep, there you go, Shima. <laughs> so um, one of my most recent, and I think one of my most important um, breakthroughs was um, me rebuilding my relationship with my father. Before, well, so what, it was me, Cole Lewis, and Mark. We went to a, um, a man's group. You know, before that, I haven't talked to my father in like 12 years. Never thought I was, you know. Even at my other church with my pastor and all my friends telling me, encouraged me to talk to him. Never thought it was going to happen, you know. That was kind of something that I was cool with letting die off and stuff. And because of these guys, I was able to rebuild that relationship, you know. Obviously, 
12 years of not talking. It's not where it should be, but it's, it's building up. So, you know, because of that community, because of those guys, I was able to do something, you know, I never thought was going to be able to happen. So mm. that's something very recent and, you know, was able to happen. Would not have met them without basketball, you know? So just, <laughs> just you know, another plug in there Tuesday. So, yeah, something really important. Um, we're not meant to do this walk along and, you know, it takes people coming alongside you to help you do what God is telling you you should be doing. So, Amen. Anyone else? Hi, I'm Zach, one of the other college students that attend here. Um, yeah, very uh, similar to how you described it, you know, coming in on Sunday, then wanting to run out as fast as I possibly could. Uh, but then I wanted to start serving and helping out in the church, and the understanding of meeting new people has been great. And last semester, I well, it was last spring, I wanted to start discipleship with one of the guys here at the church. And sadly, that wasn't able to happen, but last semester, I was able to find Christian and ask him, hey, man, let's meet up, let's do some discipleship, let's dive into the word, build each other up. And it's been great to talk to him, be sharpened, and hopefully sharpen him as well. So highly recommend. That's awesome. One more. Anyone else? Plus? Hi, guys. Um, I'm Gracie. Um, yeah, I feel like everything Bobby said today, um, I've experienced at some point in the church community. Um, when I started coming here f five years ago, like before Christian and I were married. Um, and as soon as he moved here, we got plugged in into a small group uh, two days after Christian had moved to Chicago. Um, and we weren't even engaged yet. And that small group now has been meeting for over four years, going on five years, and has become our family. Um, and it feels like like it, that was the thing that made Chicago home for us and made this church home. And that group has seen everything from engagements to marriages to babies to job changes to sicknesses to doctors to everything that um, it's really hard to it's really hard to deepen relationships in the world that at work and old friendships take time um, to grow and deepen and I feel like that space has been a place for us to just bring whatever we're going through and to speak openly and honestly about it and to see the way that God has grown every single person in that group and their faith um, has been so beautiful through every different chapter that we've gone through. Um, and, you know, that combined with serving and Bobby asking us uh, to step up and, and lead the welcome team deepened us even further and allowed us to have even more reach and get to know even more people um, and getting to connect people with other people and seeing those friendships grow and new groups start. And it just keeps growing from there um, and to see the way like to think back to the first time I came to church and didn't talk to anybody and like sat in a pew and went you know left immediately to to the place that this is now um, where where every single new person I hope is is met with 
a kind word and a friendly conversation. Um, so just to see everybody using their gifts um, has been an amazing thing to witness and I think helped us to, to deepen and grow. So, yeah. Kind of experiences for everyone. And not everybody's experience is going to be different and you are going to know different people, but to be part of a community that's loving Jesus, it's not perfect, but doing their best to love Jesus and to help care for one another and grow in Jesus and share Jesus with others. That's what the church is supposed to be about. And so we want you to experience that. So here's a couple just challenges I have for you to close today before we do communion. First off is that to, to participate in some way, uh, that you would have something that you're doing, that you're, again, not to have a task, not to fulfill a guilt trip, not to check a box, but to be part of the community. And so we passed these out uh, when you came in. If you didn't get one, there's some at the counter. We also have a table in the back with the New Life logo that a bunch of this is going to be there. But you can see at the bottom, it says ready to get involved. And it has all the different ministries that are on there. And so children's ministry, hospitality, welcome team, audiovisual, uh, prayer team, after service teardown. New one I put on there is just people who want to help with social media because definitely need some help in that regard. Want to get involved, but just undecided. And then two last two things on there is one of them is other. Um, I cannot tell you, how, you, Christian and Gracie, last year, hey, what would you think about, could we like write a bunch of like handwritten invites to hand to people out for Easter? It's like, can we do that? Yes, do that. That would be amazing. Just to have somebody who would step up and go, hey, can we do this in order to get people to experience what Jesus is doing here? That's what that other box is. Something that's not already happening, but you're like, I think I could help get this happening here. That would be amazing. That's what the other box is for. And then the other thing I have on here is I like to be part of getting a homeless ministry restarted. Uh, we used to have a team that did this. The people who were leading that moved away. We have people who want to get this uh, going, but just to see what other people are interested in. Uh, that, that would be fantastic. And so uh, the idea of this is that if there is something, if you're already serving, then that's great. But if you're not, if you want to get involved in some way, again, this is where those connections and some of those relationships start happening. You start meeting people outside of your normal circle of influence of people, or maybe you came here and didn't know anyone. You start meeting some people, getting connected in that way. So filling that out, and then we'll follow up with you. The other thing is getting part of a life group. And so these are groups that meet Midweek, there's anywhere from five to ten, sometimes more than that, people uh, that meet at different times. We have groups that are more niche-specific. So we have college group, young professionals, men's group, women's group, but then we have some that are anyone. So it doesn't matter gender, age, sports team you cheer for, anything like that. You can be a part of that group. And so uh, let me give a disclaimer on this. One, this form has been updated as well as the online form in the last 48 hours. Um, and so we, uh, because we have a new group that's starting, uh, Jason and Tirza are going to be starting a new group uh, in Logan Square on Monday. So if you're like, oh man, the idea of coming into a group where there's already established relationships, I don't know if I want to do that. New group. No one's there yet. So you can help be a part of that. That's the Monday in Logan Square. So yes, yeah, super excited about that. And I want to say one other thing that's super exciting. I mean, having you fill this out, different follow-ups for getting involved, different follow-ups of groups. Some of you have noticed over the last few months that maybe you have filled these things out and you haven't been followed up with in a very speedy fashion. Um, 
that would be on me. Um, and so if you have filled something like this out and you haven't been followed up, I have great news. We have help now. Um, I'm really excited to let you guys know that um, we have a couple that's going to be starting coming to our church uh, next week. They're actually going to be starting next week. Uh, can you, this is, can you put their picture up? This is uh, Joel and Lindsay Johnson, and Lindsay is coming on to be our new office manager, and Joel is coming on as a pastoral resident. And so, we have help! <laughs> yes. So, super excited about that. Um, so, as far as, um, I'm going to hand these to them, and so that's how that's going to work. But there's a reality that... Uh, this is what uh, Lindsay's, I mean, we can't replace Gabby, but we can put somebody in those shoes. And so Gabby, uh, Lindsay's going to be doing office manager stuff. Um, Joel, as far as pastoral resident, this is going to be one of the things that he's really uh, championing and responsible for is life groups and giving support to our leaders, helping people get connected in them and all of that. And so really excited to that regard. And so uh, my apology to you and not getting back to you is I've helped help got help to help me get back to people. So we have that going and I'm really excited that they're coming. So, um, so that they're, they're going to, they're actually moving into the apartment tonight. And so if anybody, I mean, four o'clock, they're going to be in here moving stuff in. So if you're interested in coming back and helping, that would be great. You don't have to. Um, they're going to be starting tomorrow. They'll be here next Sunday and we're going to introduce them to everybody. So we're really excited about that. Um, but if you need to get connected, you need to get plugged serving fill out this form. And I will say also the idea of ready to get involved. Maybe when you see a life group, and we do need more life groups, if that's something you have experience with or you're interested in finding out what it means to lead one, you can put that down as other and you and I could talk about that. I would love to have that conversation. So never think that we don't need help. We need help all over the place. And never think that there's not a way to get connected because there's all kinds of ways to get connected. And again, you might not see the thing that you're passionate about on this sheet, so put it on the sheet, and let's see how God makes that happen, all right? The last thing I would say, so participate in the family in some way, try out a life group, and last thing is you have to own the fact that you're not meant to walk alone. At the end of the day, I can say everything I said today. I could have somebody else come in and say it better next week. We could talk about this for three, six months, the rest of the year, the same topic. And at the end of the day, you have to own it. God, it's not good for me to exist alone. You need Jesus. And you need the family of faith that Jesus wants you to be a part of. It's through his death on the cross that our sins are forgiven and everything that creates the brokenness of that relationship between us and God and the brokenness we see in the world. Jesus took all of that upon himself on the cross. He defeated sin, conquered death rose the dead so that we could have new life, so that his righteousness could be put on us, and so that we can be brought back to God and have relationship with him. You have to receive that. You have to put your faith in him and receive that and begin that relationship with him. And if that's something that you're doing, you have put your faith in Jesus, you are a child of God, then you need to be a child of God. And that means being part of the family. Some of the struggles that we have in life get supersized not because the problems are that big, but because how we handle the problems are that make them that big. And it's usually because we're doing them alone. You need other people. And so whatever God's laying on your heart within today, do it. Don't ignore it. 
Maybe it's getting involved. Maybe it's getting connected. Maybe it's getting saved with following him. Maybe it's getting baptized. Maybe it's just, I'm going to try to meet more people and connect with whatever it is, whatever God's laying on your heart today. Don't ignore it. Do it. We're going to end with communion. I'm going to ask uh, everyone if they could start passing out the uh, team, if they could pass out the elements. Um, If this is your first time ever doing communion with us, uh, just a couple of logistical things really quick. Uh, They're going to pass uh, out the bread and the juice. Um, There's a smaller tray in the bread tray that has gluten-free bread, so if you need that, you can take that. Just hold on to the bread and hold on to the juice, and then uh, we'll receive communion together. While they're passing those out, I just want to read a passage to you. This is from Hebrews. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This passage in Hebrews talks about that it's because of Jesus we have new life. It's because of Jesus we can confidently come to God. It's because of Jesus that we are connected with one another. And so we can't neglect those things. If we can have confidence to run into the presence of God, then we need to run into the presence of God. And if because of Jesus, we can be connected with one another, then we shouldn't neglect that. We need to be together. So as we think about the reality of the cross and his resurrection, let's be reminded of what Jesus has done and what he makes possible. Um, That being said, we always give a moment of just quiet prayer, reflection before we receive communion. Process what you've heard. Process how God's speaking to your heart. And so I'm going to give you that just while, again, uh, be ready for the stuff to come by if you haven't got it yet. But we're just going to have a moment of prayer before we receive communion. So God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and encourage us deeply and challenge us, God. Let us hear from you. Let's just be quiet before him and then we'll receive communion.